Welcome to episode 61. As always, you can find the podcast on the web at enterpriseHardcorePodcast.com. You'll find all the streaming and social media information there. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On Instagram, I like to post like old flyers and upcoming shows, and you'll find all the, the podcast stuff on there. Uh, there's also a Patreon floating around that I usually post a link to uh, on the website and the Instagram. If you want to throw a couple bucks in there, I'm trying to upgrade some gear and do some live podcasts this year. Uh, there's a bunch of up- upcoming shows in Rochester and Buffalo. Uh, just check my Instagram or like pretty much any like the Buffalo Rochester Hardcore Syracuse Instagrams. Um, so this is gonna be a fun episode. Uh, I was just talking to my guest beforehand about all the bands he's been in. I guess I thought it was a little bit more, but it still is quite a bit. Um, so we'll try to do the best to talk about as many of them as possible and, you know, keep it current too, obviously. Uh, so yeah, my guest tonight's going to be uh, Rich Thurston. How's everything going to you for you tonight, man? Hey, what's happening? Not much. Uh, actually, uh, I was telling my girlfriend before, I'm kind of worried it's, uh, it's raining here right now. It's my first time recording one of these in the rain. So it might be sounding a little rustic tonight when, uh, when this comes out, we'll see. <laughs> it's, uh, it's also raining here. We've had like incredible rain all day. So it's, it's, it's yeah. not just you. Yeah, it's going to be like 20 degrees tomorrow, so that should be pretty interesting. So, um, But yeah, like I said, we're going to be talking about as many of your bands as possible, um, but I like to kind of try to keep things in like a timeline with these interviews. So uh, maybe we'll try to talk about your upbringing a little bit first and then uh, dive into like bands and stuff after that. Okay. Um, so I know I like I know you were in culture in Florida, but I feel like uh, from other interviews uh, you've talked about like growing up in other places before that or, or am I off there? No, I was born in Boston in Marlboro. Massachusetts, actually. I was only there until I was about eight years old. And then we moved to uh, New Jersey. And I stayed there for four years. My dad worked for IBM, so he transferred a lot back then. Um, and then we went to move to Florida. And that's where I spent the majority of, of my, from like 13 to 28 or something like that, I was there. Okay. So yeah, because I know I put in some of the notes before doing the interview that I was thinking like with you moving from Florida to Ohio, it had to be like a kind of like a big change. But I guess growing up in the Northeast for a little while there, you were already kind of used to like the cold weather and the Nor'easters and all that shit. Yeah. I don't know how I lasted as long as I did in Florida, just based weather alone. Like I can't stand it. Like it was so hot all the time. It was, it was not fun. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not a big fan of, of uh, like the winter and stuff like this, but like my, like my girlfriend always says, like she would not be able to tolerate a place like that and whatnot. And um, I lived in Colorado for a little while, and that's like my favorite like type of weather. You know, it's like yeah, all the time, and it's cold. It's cold a little while, but not not that you know, not too often or whatever. But was there any musical interest before you got into like punk and hardcore and stuff? Like, yeah, I had always been into music um, from very very early on. I remember my parents bought me a Kiss Detroit Rock City forty five when I was like five years old. And I had a plastic kiss guitar and I would like put on concerts for them in the living room. And, uh, you know, and then as I got older, my, my cousin was really into like hard rock and early metal before it became like, you know, hair metal stuff. Like, so she was a big influence on me too. Um, I've always been into music. I've always been into, um, you know, that whole, it just, it spoke to me on a very early age. So you already were kind of interested in playing music, like before you got into like punk and hardcore and like aggressive music? Um, I didn't really know if I was into playing it until about eighth grade. And then I took a bass lesson and 
I took two bass lessons. I've only taken two lessons of any instrument that I played. And there were two bass lessons. The first bass lesson, the guy gave me like some scales to work on. And my second bass lesson was him teaching me um, anthrax among the living. Oh, that's pretty sweet. How to play that, how to play the beginning of that song. And then I never went back after that and just yeah. sort of taught myself. I can't read music. Um, I can look at music and sort of like sheet music and get the gist of it yeah. just because I know where, you know, on the neck, I know where certain frets are and things like that, yeah. but I could never read music ever. So everything I learned was just from my ear. And I did that for a long time when I first started playing. And then I, I guess, so you would, you would gotten more into like the hardcore and scene like that uh, by the time you're in Florida then obviously. Right. Um, when I was um, about 15, I would say I started getting into skateboarding and um, I was listening to like, I graduated from like quote unquote soft metal and I had gone to like Slayer and, and, and that kind of stuff. So I was already like doing the natural progression of things. I just didn't know it. And then um, I met this guy, his name is Chris Goldbach. I'll never forget him. He's the one that like, I always credit him and we're still friends to this day. Um, I, I credit him for like changing everything for me. Like he had, a, he had a Volkswagen uh, Beetle and he had a minor threat sticker and a Dag Nasty sticker on it. And I immediately went to the mall and bought both of those tapes because he was like the cool guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I was just hooked from there. And uh, I had never been into drinking or doing drugs or anything, but I didn't know there was anything called straight edge or anything. Right. And then when I listened to Minor Threat, I was like, oh, this is it. I found it. You know, like it was like this like light bulb went off and I found it. Was there already like, and that's, I was thinking about this beforehand and I, I, I probably could have dived deeper myself, but was, was there much of like a hardcore scene in Florida by then? Like, cause this sounds like the, like the late eighties, right? Yeah. It was definitely like a punk scene. Uh-huh. And there would be, I mean, and there would hardcore bands would come and play there for sure, but it was definitely more of a, a, a punk scene at first. And then when I started actually going to shows, it was very like, it was like very, um, like skinheads and stuff not nazis yeah. or anything but just like skinheads yeah and that's what that's where i came in like that's how i got into it I, I i was very much into that living in florida um and um you know as time went on younger kids were coming to shows like and there was some really great great shows down there when i lived down in miami and stuff it was it was a, it was a pretty great scene to be a part of because it was because it was small yeah and like it was it was started off small, got a little bit bigger, and then kind of went back to being small again for a while. And it just I don't know, it just always felt very organic. I was always cool. I always thought that was cool. Like it wasn't like some of the bigger cities that have just it doesn't matter. You could have this, you could have four bands playing in the same city and same night, and there'll still be the same amount of people in yeah. each show. You know, it wasn't like that. Like in South Florida, everybody went to every show. It didn't matter if it was a punk show, a ska show hardcore show metal show everybody just went to the show yeah you know and i remember one of my first bands was called ego trip um and we opened up for bim scala bim one time <laughs> and it was awesome like it was yeah. just awesome because we were all into that too yeah. coming from that skinhead world we were all into ska and yeah. boy things like that so we just 
it didn't wasn't weird to us i'm sure other parts of the country are probably like what are you guys doing yeah but like it was awesome we loved it yeah i mean i got into a little bit later like like 95 96 and um around that time for our local scene i've talked about this on here a lot like we had a lot of shows like that for like a year or two where there was i remember there was a ska band here called the professionals and, and they would play with like our local hardcore and punk bands so i can definitely relate to that. like i mean we, we're at, like our rochester's obviously a smaller town too you know like uh as we'll get to i, I booked a few bands you were in so i'm sure you've been here at least once or twice and yeah you know yeah. it's a little bit smaller than buffalo and one thing that kind of makes me think too you're, while you're talking about the the music scene back then is is thinking about buffalo and and south florida has a kind of a, a similar thing with the death metal there um did that tie in at all to any of the, the scene or anything you were attached to back then at all or not so much um it did with certain bands um like i can't even count how many times i've seen obituary play those dudes live like down the street you know what i mean like yeah i would see them i would see them in, like these little tiny shacks of like venues and they would just slay every time and like um you know bands like death and uh malevolent creation you know just like just those like the, the, it was a really death metal scene yeah for a long time and um you just sort of saw those guys all the time just yeah. like i said everybody went to the same shows and it was just sort of there was a little bit of division later in it because um like nazi skinheads started liking all the death metal bands because that's just what they do you know yeah. and um so then then there became like fights and stuff all the time and yeah. you usually would smash those dudes pretty good every time they come out of the house but um but yeah man for the longest time it was like every show everybody you know yeah. the mixed build would be insane about what point did you start actually playing in bands and was it like more like towards the 90s or yeah it was 90 by 92 was my first band mm -hmm. well no that's not true i was in this punk band called the end and that i was still in high school so that must have been 90 probably 98 no i'm sorry i'm sorry uh 88, 88. probably yeah, I'm old. I keep forgetting that I'm old. Um, it's like 88, 89, because I graduated in 92. So, and in 92, I'd already started being in other, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was early on. It was, I was like 16 when I first started playing in bands and my, my parents would let us practice in the extra bedroom at the house and they were always very supportive. So. And now I, I know you said you took the couple of bass lessons you were playing bass in the beginning. And obviously, as we'll get to with other bands, you, you play drums. Uh, when did you start learning how to play other instruments? Like, was that like much later on or? Um, I, I Well, I originally started learning to play bass because everybody wanted to play guitar and shred, you know? Yeah. So I was like, like well, I'll there. play bass. Yeah. Someone's going to need a bass player eventually, you know? Yeah. So that's that's why I started. And then I just sort of like, gravitated towards guitar too and then i don't know I, I i've always been very musical like if you put an instrument in front of me i can figure out something with it even if it you know if it's not exactly how you're supposed to play it i can still make something out of it um but uh yeah i just always wanted to play guitar and then like drums it was always just like me messing around on on whatever band's drummer i was in like his drum set I wanted to learn how to do all those things, you know, even yeah. if I didn't apply them, even if I didn't apply them in bands yet, I just wanted to know how to play music. So, yeah, like I said, 
uh, I think the first band of yours that I'm really super familiar with would be Culture, but I know there was a bunch of bands before that. And even from doing research for the interview, I came across a band that, that seemed kind of like, they, they even honestly could have come from this area, uh, Timescape Zero. I don't know how, how long <laughs> you were in that band for, but like they saw I, I would. <laughs> I was in Timescape Zero for like three months. Okay, not that long. No, um, they uh, they are one of the better bands that to me that's ever come out of South Florida. Yeah. Um, and they never. It was just like that time. What suck? What, see, what really sucked about living in Florida and being in a band, especially being down in Miami, it would take you almost fifteen hours just to get out of Florida. Yeah. So a lot of bands back then that were super good never left Florida because they just couldn't, there was, they didn't have vans back then. You know, it was, it was hard for the idea of driving 15 hours just to get into Georgia, not even like to anywhere cool in Georgia, just yeah. into Georgia. I mean, that was just a daunting task for a lot of 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Um, but yeah, Timescape Zero is awesome. Um, yeah, that, that demo's great. Um, I'm still friends with uh, Stan, the bass player. We talk all the time. Like, it's just, that was a good band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, like I said, there's a lot of bands to get through, so I'm, I'm not trying to gloss over any. If there's ones you want to talk about oh, more, I don't care. We can, uh, yeah, you, you can touch on, we'll touch on them all, and if there's any in between your timeline, I'll, I'll, I'll shout them out to you. But the um, one thing I'm curious about, too, as we're getting through these eras, too, though, is, like, this is kind of late eighties, early nineties. Like when did you start networking like with like other scenes, like other people? Like, I know you're talking about being in South Florida where you're kind of detached from like a lot of other areas. And this is like pre-internet obviously too. You right. know what I mean? So like, was that like later yeah, on you was... started playing in more band, like other bands and stuff or? Um, well, as the scene got bigger, more bands would make that trip down because it was worth it to them. You know, they, they would, they know the show would be good. So they come down and that's really how it all started. Just became friends with other bands. Like, um, you know, bands would come out and play and be like, hey, we want to come play in your town. Like, all right, cool. And we exchange phone numbers. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, like, hey, we set something up and like, sure. And it just sort of would go from there. You know, it was it was all meeting people back then. Yeah. You know, so you, you'd always hear stories about uh, other scenes and myths and and uh you know just urban legends and stuff but like you know then you start meeting some of the people that are coming from those towns and you would just network that way you know yeah yeah that was one thing that was always crazy like pre-internet and social media like especially with like new york hardcore there'd be so many like crazy like urban legends about all these people and like who they were and stuff and right. honestly now i kind of wish some of them were urban legends or whatever you know but <laughs> right what are you no. gonna do yeah, yeah. no I, I it was uh you know, it was, it was very organic back then. It, like, like you said, without the internet, you really just had to meet people. And if like, if the, someone in the band was, you know, someone was booked, usually, usually when a band would come on tour, one of them would either book shows or help book shows in their town. It's just usually how it worked, whatever the band was, you know, that was coming from there. So it was just really like, just a matter of like, you'd meet people and you'd, you'd form relationships that way. And, it was a lot easier just leaving somebody on red on the internet for three months and not giving a shit about some little band or some new band, you know, everybody had a place back then. And and now I think with so many bands, cause there's so many bands. Yeah. 
that I think a lot of people just get lost in the mix and yeah. some really good bands just end up breaking up because there's, they don't have a, they don't have an outlet to go. Yeah. I mean, especially when everything's shut down for like a year and a half too. Like I'm, I'm old. I'm old, man. That year and a half was like, come on, man, we gotta do something. Yeah. I'm getting old by the minute here. This isn't helping. Yeah. Um, so then I guess like with your first few bands, like, did a lot of them like get the chance to like travel out of Florida or was it mostly like local and like weekend type thing? It was, all, it was all Florida. All Florida pretty much. Yeah. Until culture came along. It was yeah. all, all Florida shows. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, I mean, if there's anything you want to add to any of the early bands, like with culture though, like, like when, like how did that all kind of like, like come together? Like were you already doing some of your other bands and, and you kind of talked to some like, cause I know there was a lot of different lineups too with culture, right? Oh God. It, it was a revolving door. Yeah. Um, so here's here's how culture started. I had moved from Florida to Richmond, Virginia, and I, I had, for all intents and purposes, I planned on staying there. I played bass and grip for like three shows. I was just filling in. I was I was never in the band. I was never on any recordings they just needed a bass player. And I was like, sure, of course. Um, so I did those three shows and then I just wanted to, I just, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to go back home. Like it wasn't working for me in there. So when I came back, I wanted to be another band because like I had that taste of like, cause those shows were sick. It was like those, those grip shows were like with ashes and, um, like lifetime and like it was just like really good shows you know like i want that again so now that i know what it's like to go get in a van and travel to new york city and boston and play these shows i want to keep doing that so when i got back i had known some people um in more of northern uh like in west palm beach that were in a band but they weren't doing anything so i was like well do you want to you want to get something going and that's when culture started was right there in this guy's uh garage um and we were it was it was started off just as a uh three piece it was me playing guitar and singing bass player and a drummer put a demo out um we played we played shows in in um florida um played some good shows actually opened up for snapcase a couple times and so it was like it, it was, you know, starting to happen. I just decided that I didn't want to sing anymore and play guitar. I had enough of that. So we got another guitar player, John, who subsequently after culture started morning again. Um, so John was in the band. Um, Josh, who now also plays in morning again, um, was the drummer. Um, we got this guy, Gordon, who was friends with Josh. He played bass. And then we found Damien to sing. Um, and again, this all goes back to like how everybody would go to shows all the time together. So like Damien didn't necessarily come from our world so much, but like we'd always see him because it was all those shows were just the same shows, you know? Um, so that's, that's when the real version of, to me, the real version of culture started. And like several episodes back on here, I had my friend Ian Courtney from Detroit on here and he lived in Florida for a little while. And I, I was talking to him about how I thought like Poison the Well was like super influential for like 
a whole era of music, obviously. And and he told me that even they said that they were heavily influenced, obviously, by like Morning Again. And obviously you're saying like Morning Again kind of came from culture a little bit there too. Yeah. So like, yeah, it was just, they, um, I've talked to those guys about that before too. They definitely like, you know, they said like without culture, there'd be no Morning Again. Without yeah. Morning Again, there'd be no Poison the Well. So it's like, it feels good. Like, yeah. I mean, I get it. I, I, you know, you can hear a little bit of what they're saying. I understand what, how they would derive that, but like yeah. poison. The well was a whole nother juggernaut of, yeah. a, of a thing. Like, but I mean, it was just awesome. There were a lot of bands from Florida that when you sit back and think about it, you're like, man, we bands made their mark on hardcore music, you know, a lot more than you would think. Yeah. Well, and that's like what I'm saying. Like, this is the era when I got kind of like, I was probably like 16 uh, when culture played the Syracuse Fest, were you in the band then? The, the three yeah, yeah, fest or whatever. Yeah, yeah. My memories. I was only sixteen, so I don't really remember a ton of it. But I know you guys played. I only went made it for the last day, but that's the day when you guys uh, played in between, like Hatebreed and Despair for like the extra. Yeah, Hatebreed. Hatebreed let us play um a, uh two songs because we we had played the day before. Yeah. And we were taking a bunch of we were taking a bunch of pictures, trying to get a bunch of pictures for the record for the Born yeah. of You record, and something happened where like none of them came out or something, something happened. So we asked, Hey, breed. And we're like, Hey, you know, we had friends, you know, quote unquote friends, because we've known, each, we've known those guys for a long time. Like, Hey, do you care if we just play like two songs real quick at the end of your set? Yeah. And they're like, no, that's awesome. Sure. I mean, imagine that now, like, Hey, Jamie, yeah. can we, <laughs> but I mean, it was like, that's how it was then. It was just like, they didn't give a shit. They, they let us use their equipment and let us just play. Yeah. And, and it was awesome. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I would, I definitely played both of those days. Was there like a lot? Of, I know that was like more of like a smaller fest era, like for lack of a better word, compared to what the juggernauts are now, like this is hardcore and like stuff like that. Like, did you guys play a bunch of those other like, like festivals around the U.S. and stuff? Or We didn't, when we were a band, we hardly toured. Oh, really? Yeah. Like we would play, you know, we would do weekends um chicago indianapolis ohio um there was one time we went out for like a week and a half up the east coast um so we didn't really get to tour a lot because none of us i mean like we were living in like we none of us had cars none of us had like we none of us had any real direction in life so you know like it was just really like looking back if we had maybe try a little harder with like our personal lives the band could have lasted a little bit longer than it did, but like we toured Europe more than we toured America. Yeah. And yeah. obviously that was your first time going to Europe was with the, with culture, like with a, in a band. Yeah. Or whatever. yeah. How, many, how many times did culture go over there? I think culture went once with me. And then when I wasn't in the band anymore, I, I want to say they went back two more times, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I don't know for, I know for sure one more time. Yeah, but I believe it was I believe it was two times total. Yeah. And like with you talking about the tour thing, too, it makes me think, too, again, going back to the Poison the Well thing, like I feel like you guys were just like a couple years ahead of like the whole like bands being able to kind of semi full time like tour and stuff. You know, like I, I even hear elements yeah. of like like the whole conspiracy when I hear you guys, you know what I mean? And like that's a band, too, that like obviously was able to tour more like full time, like like three years after the fact, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I feel like it was more just like there weren't. You know, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like it was more just like Snapcase and like Earth Crisis and bands like that that were more like like able to tour and stuff. Like you didn't see a ton of bands doing like 
the big tours that you right. see now, you know. Right. You would see bands doing like a week or two here and there. Yeah. Um but like yeah, like you were saying, like I mean take a band like Terror right now, they're on they're on tour for like 300 days or some yeah. crazy number. And it's like none of us in our wildest dreams would have thought something like that was possible back then, you know? Yeah. Well, even like another comparison is like, that's like 97. Like I remember thinking it was crazy to sick of it all was able to do that back then. You know what I mean? Like, like touring like full time like that. And it's, and they were like the, the one, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like they, they would do it. Like you said, earth crisis, strife, snap yeah. case. Yeah. And there were a few other ones, but like, those yeah. are the ones that I always remember being like, they're on tour again. Like, yeah. you know, was, what other, what other like cultural unions have there been? Like I saw there was like the hate, I saw on hate five, six, there was like the, this is hardcore in, in 2014. Um, do you have you guys done like yeah. Europe since you've been back to like for unions and st- stuff too, or we we did we played this thing called Real and Restless. It was a uh, in Florida. That's when we actually decided to do a, a reunion, a first reunion show. I want to say it was 2012. I could be completely wrong. We did that, and that's really all we really thought it was going to be—just the one show in South Florida, just for fun. Um, we hadn't been on stage together and you know, 20 years or whatever it was at that point. And it felt like 20 years, like 15 years, something like that. So it was, it was cool. It was fun. And then it was like, well, Hey, do you want to come play Eperfest in Belgium? No shit. And we're like, uh, yeah. You yeah. Know, like, so then we went and did that. And then right after that, we, um, went to Japan. Wow. Yeah. And it, it, it was just crazy. Like, it was crazy that these are people were requesting us to come. That's and I still, I still picture us as some little shitty band with shitty equipment, just screaming about nothing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how I would, like, so it was nuts to be invited to these places. So then we played, this is hardcore. And that was awesome. That was, yeah. I was blown away by that. And then we went back to Europe one last time just to play, I think it was four shows um because uh that fluff fest in the, in the czech republic wanted us to play it. it they couldn't pay for our tickets all of it they were gonna pay for half and i'm like well fuck let's try and play some shows leading up to it like if we're gonna go let's just go play a couple of shows yeah and then uh mad ended up booking the the three or four other shows that we played and and we you know that was the last time that's the last time we did anything together on stage was that fluff fest and response is just like in other continents has been pretty crazy, I would imagine, too. It's, okay. it's pretty wild, man. It's yeah. pretty wild that, you know, you know I, I think it had been since 2002 since some incarnation of culture had been to Europe. Uh-huh. So, like, to go back, you know, 11, 12 years later, yeah. and it's pretty wild, you know. Now, I know we'll talk about a lot of other bands, like, but have you, have you been to Japan with any other bands or? Um, on Bodies. On bodies, no oh, shit. Yeah. So what, like, I can imagine. Like, I've, I think I've, I feel like I've talked to a few people on here that have been, have been there though. But I can imagine the the treatment you get over there is probably pretty crazy. Like the shows and stuff had been pretty good over there, right? Or yeah, it, it, some of the nicest people I've ever met in my yeah. entire life. Yeah, it's wild, man, and, and it is it really is truly a culture shock when you get off the you get off the uh, plane and you're one of like ten people who aren't asian yeah you know, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild it's great it's but man they everybody was just so nice and polite and the guys who put the shows on were awesome it was just such a great experience yeah 
And one thing that I kind of gloss over sometimes, because uh, all honesty, I'm not personally straight edge, but like you are. And like, I kind of forgot to ask about that in the beginning. Like you've, you've been straight edge for, for how many years now? Like officially, I guess, since you like knew what the term was. If my math is correct, 32 years. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And then like, so a, a lot of these bands were straight edge too, obviously. Right. Like, especially like, like I know treason is and like. Yeah. Treason is, um, yeah. the other band that I'm in here, Saboteur, they're also. Yeah. Straight edge. Um, culture was, was a straight edge band. Yeah. Um, but what's funny about culture is it didn't start off necessarily being a straight edge band. We were all straight edge. We just happened to be all straight edge, but like we weren't necessarily going down that road yeah and then like earth crisis put out destroy the machines and of course that just means that <laughs> that changed everything for a lot of yeah. people <laughs> so then we started going in that in that vegan straight edge route um but yeah i mean it was uh i don't even think about it anymore like right. as a thing you know i mean i do when we're, when we're playing and stuff but it's a long time yeah yeah, I've been vegetarian for like 25 years and vegan for like half that time. And it's the same thing. Like, I don't really think about it, except like yeah. now we have we have kids now. So I um I think about it more like with him now because we're raising them to be like vegan and stuff. You know what I mean? But yeah. um other than that, it's like you're saying it's just like a second nature thing now. If, if yeah. you know what I mean. Did culture just kind of fade out before the like in the or like I guess did you kind of like, like leave the band and then and then join blood has been shed, or was it like a period in between? I I did not leave the band. I was kicked out of the band. Oh, were you? <laughs> yeah, like there was, there were a lot of chiefs in that band and not enough Indians. Yeah. Like there just wasn't enough people take following. They all wanted to lead in their own way. Right. And every band, every band needs somebody that sort of organizes and makes certain decisions. And I was that guy for the longest time. But then Damien also wanted to be that guy. Then Steve, who was in the band at the time, he wanted to be that guy. And we just butted heads all the time. Well, those guys decided that it was, I was the problem. <laughs> so, and I'm not saying I wasn't a problem. I'm just saying that's what the general consensus yeah. was. So when we got back from that Europe tour, they had already planned on kicking me out before I even got back to America. They, they already had a big meeting and conspiracy meeting about me. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm living in Gainesville with the band at that time, and and I'm kicked out of the band, and don't really have any plan at that point because that was that culture was all I had known for up to, at that point was like five years or something like that. That's all I that's all I did. It's all I cared about. Yeah. Um. This this one story that needs to make this thing here. <laughs> this is this is it's not even necessarily a culture story, so. When we were in Europe, we played um, a show with Despair. I was talking to Scott, and they were having trouble in the band. They didn't know if they were going to, like, if the guitar player time was going to quit, if they were going to just break up, they're going to get somebody new. So I was like, well, listen, I'm not in culture anymore. So we got back to the States. I hit them up. I'm like, listen, I'm not in culture anymore. Let me know what you're going to do. I'll pack up all my shit and move to Buffalo tomorrow. You know, so a couple of weeks go by and he hit me up. He's like, yeah, we're just not going to do despair anymore. And I'm like, no, that's cool, man. I, I get it. He's like, but I'm going to start this other thing. If you feel like moving to Buffalo. 
And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to move to Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, it's buried alive. Yeah. One of the greatest hardcore bands ever. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when the opportunity opportunity came to be in terror with Scott, I did not hesitate. I was like, yes, the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. And terror became a behemoth, obviously, as we'll get to in a little bit. I actually had, um, not any of the guys who ended up being in Buried Alive, but I had a few of the guys in the current incarnation of Hourglass on here recently. And like Joe and uh, Matt from the original version of Hourglass ended up playing in, in uh, Buried Alive. So there's like yeah. that connection there. But um, so around that uh, around that time, or maybe a couple of years later, you ended up moving to Connecticut with Blood Has Been Shed then. Yeah, I actually moved to Ohio first. Oh, you from there first? Florida. Yeah, I moved there first. Um, started a band here um it just wasn't really anything that was it was just whatever something to do and then um my friend at the time played guitar for Bosman shed and they're like hey the bass player just quit do you want to come out here and play bass and i was like yeah i'm not doing anything so i moved out there started playing bass then eventually the person that I, I was friends with quit the band and I would move, move from bass to guitar. Yeah. And I was on the, uh, I did one recording and I mean, I love that band. I think it's one of the, one of the best bands to have ever done it. And it's taught me so much about playing guitar and like just different tones and different sounds and different ways of playing it, it made me a, like such a better guitar player from being in that band i mean that was like a pretty serious band too i mean did you do like a lot of touring yeah. at, at that point then too or we, did, we didn't do a lot of touring but like touring touring but we definitely did weekends all the time yeah you know yeah. we didn't like go away for like weeks on end but we definitely um we played a lot yeah i know you guys played syracuse a couple of times i couldn't remember if you played i know you, i don't think you played rochester i couldn't remember if you played buffalo at all or not we did play buffalo yeah. We played with Marauder. Okay. I, I think I have that flyer. I didn't go to that show, but I think I stigmata yeah. played that too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think Andy, I think Andy from every time I die actually did the show, I think. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah. I have a lot of I have a lot a pretty big collection of flyers, as I'm pretty sure you've kind of noticed on the social media. Yeah. Post some old 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 ones and stuff. And that's I didn't I didn't make it to that show. Yeah, Stigmata is one of those bands that I, I love them now, but for whatever reason back then I, I I didn't like groove on that shit as much, you know. But like that's that's the show favorite. was the show was super small. There was only like twenty people there. Yeah, I feel like those bands like because there would be like in like ninety seven there was a dude here named Eric Warner who booked like Stigmata and, and like all those bands like Dying Breed like all the Troy Core bands and they didn't do as well around here back then, but I feel like they would now. Like there's more of a a love for all that shit, especially yeah, like yeah. God's hate and all that stuff's kind of made people realize like to go back and dig all that shit up, you know? So, but yeah, definitely. How long, how long did you do? How long were you in blood has been shed for then? It's like a year or two or just, just over a year. Yeah. And then, so I guess you already kind of had the ties to Ohio, like you, and then you ended up moving back there yeah. after blood has been shed or. Yeah. I moved, I moved back there after blood has been shed. And yeah, like I said, I, 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 again, like if there's other bands that I'm skipping over that you want to mention for anything like this, I'm just kind of going over the ones that I'm more familiar with. Um, That's cool. I know that you ended up doing like, was One Nation under before or after Terror? It was, it was, oh, it was before Terror. It was right after Blood Has Been Shed. Okay. I know like I had as, soon least... as, I moved, as soon as I moved back, um, I started another band right away. Um, and One Nation Under originally, 
we didn't have a name for the longest time, but like we were playing more like, like metally type stuff, you know, like for lack of a better word. Um, and then um, I went, Walls of Jericho was doing, we're doing two weeks in like on the West Coast. And I went with him to be a roadie and heard Throwdown live for the first time. And I remember I called, I, right after the show, I called everybody in the band. I go, listen, this is what we're doing from now on. <laughs> and like, we started writing, like essentially just ripping off Throwdown songs, essentially. Um, and like that's, and then, then that's when One Nation Art became a, a, its thing, its own thing. It's funny because I was listening. I, I listened to like all the all your not all your bands, but as many of them as I could going into this. And obviously, when I was listening to the the One Nation Under record that I had back in the day, I was like, "Damn, this does sound a lot like that first Throwdown record." You it, know what it, I mean? it, it absolutely does. <laughs> I guess that makes a lot of sense then. And one thing, um, I feel like you've played in bands with like other people from Ohio, like in, in other bands. But like, did you know these guys before you started the bands and kind of have like an idea to like play in bands with them? You know what I'm saying? Like before you did um, the bands. Right. I definitely knew them. Um, but like, like I said, when I first moved up here from Florida, the, I wasn't really necessarily worried about being in a band at that moment, you know, but like I was, but it was just for fun. Um, but I knew everyone that played, you know, instruments and stuff and became friends. And I moved here because I already had new people here, you know, just from culture playing in Ohio so much. So I guess one thing I'm curious about with the interview too, that while we're talking about all this is like, it's like a 30 year, 30 plus year period. It sounds like, like, has there been like any significant gaps in time in between bands or have you pretty much been playing music like significantly throughout the whole period? Um, I would say, no, there was definitely a gap um, from 2003 until about 2000. Well, until the culture thing again. So it was about 10 years, 11 years where I didn't play any bands. Oh, no shit. So probably, okay, until like the more current ones basically, or? Yeah, well, like then there was like, well, in like in 2012, we did the culture stuff and then it sort of just went from there. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I, like I can't, I couldn't remember how long you were in Terraform because I know they had like kind of like a revolving door of bass players those first couple of years, it seemed like. And uh, I know yeah, I bought the show. I was one of the... I know you, I, I want to say you might've been in the band cause I booked them here with like Bane and most precious blood in like May of 2003. And I feel like that was either right when you were in the band or like right before. No, I think it's right after actually. Right after? I okay. think, I feel like I was in, I, again, I'm not going to remember exactly, yeah. but I think it was, I think it was just 2002. Was it? Yeah. Like I, I, I hit up Scott again. Well, actually we played furnace fest together one nation under and terror were both playing furnace fest the same day. And I was talking to Scott, just talking to him about the band and like how I felt it was kind of run, ran its course, you know, at that point. And, and um, he was talking about how they hated their bass player at the time. And I was like, well, I'm like, keep me in mind. Let me know what's going on. You know, like, and then when he got back to California, he hit me up. He's like, so you, you're going to move to California? I'm like, you fucking better believe I am. So, but like, there was so much happening with Terra at that time. Like there was, I, there was no time for me to move out there. Like it was like tour recording two weeks later, we're touring again. Like it was like a constant, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It was like a constant thing. Um, 
so like my first my first four shows was uh two here in the, one in buffalo and i don't know who it was with the first my first shows so it was like buffalo then two shows in canada and then syracuse and then we went right from there and recorded lowest of the low that same week i feel like that like might have been was, was that the new year's day show in syracuse around that era with like a death for every sin and the promise yes yeah yeah i was at those shows yeah uh so yeah it was like it was so it was it was kind of a whirlwind right away yeah. you know i was like and like that lowest of the low record still fucking slays it's so good oh, yeah. like <clears throat> excuse me so um yeah you know and then like me and todd jones hate each other so much like everyone else hated todd jones at some point yeah you know um <clears throat> excuse me like i don't i'm obviously a hard person to be in a band with and i get it but he was like extra special yeah oh, and i think it took a lot of it took a lot of years for me to not hold a real resentment to him um and then me and him talked at uh this is hardcore when um when they uh when uh nails played and i was like i walked outside and he was selling shirts with his band you know i'm like what's up man he's like hey what's going on I'm like you know it's just real small talk and i go hey man i really i really like nails it's it's really good he's like oh thanks man it means a lot and then finally he looked at me he goes listen i just want to say sorry for for all that and i'm like that's cool, man. I go, I get it. I'm not the easiest guy either. Yeah. So we probably both played a part in that. Now, subsequently, there were other people that didn't want to be in a band with him either. But like, yeah. like I definitely played a part, you know, like I'm not yeah. like some victim or anything. I, I definitely used to be an asshole, to put it bluntly, you know, so it's, yeah. you know, here I am at, at 49 years old and you can look back and then go, man, a lot of petty shit, a lot of dumb shit. It's like yeah. unnecessary shit. Yeah, I talk to people about that all the time. Like sometimes I think I'm still holding grudges for certain things that there's, I feel like there's certain things though, that you're not gonna, you know. But something like that, like I've I've noticed that with him too, though. Like I don't I don't I wouldn't know him as well as you. Obviously, I booked his bands a few times, but like I've noticed like all of his bands, like right when they get to like a peak or whatever, they seem to like like break up or not tour or the tour fall break like cancels or whatever. Right. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's pretty good. He's pretty good for that. Yeah. So, um, so were, was that pretty much like a full-time thing when you were in Terra then? Like, or like you guys were. Oh yeah. 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 I didn't, uh, that was it for, you know, I would fly out wherever the first show was. Yeah. Of the tour. You know, it's usually like someplace like Vegas or Iowa or some random yeah. ass, you know, and I would always fly out and then I would, um, do the tour go back to California and then fly home from California. Yeah. I, I feel like that must be how they do it now too. Cause some of those dudes are like all over the place too. And they have to like, yeah. I mean, Scott moved back to Buffalo and yeah. you know, so yeah. yeah, they're all spread around now. Yeah. But I mean, they're at that, they're at that point though, like that they can do, that's not that big of a yeah. deal, you know, like it's yeah. just like, okay, we'll meet here, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And then 
I was, I, I guess I don't really remember you being in still across. Like I know I, I definitely booked a show for them here too. In like 2004, um, at the bug jar. I don't know if you would have been in the band then or not. It was like February, 2004. Um, honestly, I don't remember, I remember either. <laughs> I, I feel like remember. I remember you being there. I feel like I remember you being at the show or whatever though. You know what I mean? Like I, who was the show with? It was like all local bands. Those, those guys played with like desperate measures and some other bands in Buffalo. And like, you know how, like you, it's like at the beginning of the interview, how you were talking, like you'd meet bands and you would like shoot the shit with them. And I saw those guys right. with their merch on the pool table. And I was like, yo, I book shows in Rochester. Next time you guys are around this way, hit me up. And they did, you know, and it was like February. I have the flyer downstairs. Cause like I post all the old flyers and shit. And I, I should have put yeah. the flyers up here. So I'd be more prepared for this conversation, but <laughs> oh, it's all right. I, yeah. I honestly don't even like, I was, I, I still cross put the, record out on uh indecision yeah and then i went to europe with walls of jericho i played bass for them on their first european tour yeah and i was out of the band while while i was in europe okay so so like i don't know i know we played up there i know we played that part of the country we played with um i'm not gonna remember now but i know we played up in that general area I know when I interviewed a couple of the dudes from One Up, uh, the Philadelphia Straight Edge band, a few months back, they said they interviewed, they they toured with uh, Still Crossed at one point. So I don't know if you would have been in a band then or not, but I was not because they def- they did a couple of tours after after yeah. that. Now that's you you bring up the Walls of Jericho things. Another thing that I was looking at, like like just doing the research and looking at all the places where you can find like bands you've been in. I was like, did you do like the hired gun thing with bands a couple times then, like just like go on tour with them and shit? Or no, no, I was just I I had been friends with with the with them with walls of jericho since culture yeah first played start playing detroit and stuff mm-hmm. i i had known them for years and then through blood has been shed that we'd still play in you know detroit and they would you know they they come stay at my house when they would so like we, we had a relationship of, of of being friends and when it worked it worked out that aaron the bass player couldn't go on the first tour because he was um i think he was opening a tattoo shop but there was something that was happening that he couldn't go um, they just asked me and I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll go. Yeah. Well, we went to Detroit a few days before the tour, learned all the songs and did that. And, um, that tour was crazy. That was like 35 days. So it was nuts. It was like yeah. insane. They just kept eating, kept adding shows, <laughs> adding yeah. shows on as we were going. And I was like, fuck, yeah. I'm never going home. And that was all but, Europe. Uh, all Europe. Damn. So how, yeah, many crazy. Been, how many times have you been to Europe, you think, then? Like I've been to Europe probably, probably five or six times now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. In different bands. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing because, like, had I, I, I often wonder, like, if I had taken a different road and, like, went to college and got some shitty office job, like, I wouldn't have experienced the good and the bad, but like, I wouldn't have experienced all of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm always envious interviewing guys like you, because like, I I've always wanted to hit up one of those European festivals. And like, you just mentioned like a bunch of them throughout the interview that like, I've, I've seen like different flyers for over the years. And I've been like, damn, that's gotta be like a lot of fun to not even yeah. play one, just, just to be there for one, let alone play one. You know what I mean? They're but, pretty awesome. What's yeah. funny is that culture played the very first Eberfest before it was called Eberfest. Oh, really? Yeah, and then we and then you fast forward to 
whatever it was, 2015, yeah. playing Eberfest again. It was pretty cool. What are like some of the bigger crowds that you've played like in Europe at some of the festivals you played and shit then, I guess? Like, I feel like I don't remember all the festival names with, uh-huh. with Walls of Jericho because I just don't yeah. remember them. Yeah. Um, but there, I mean, there were several thousand at a few of those shows. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, so, it, I mean, I, I've, it's, I've just been lucky, man. You know, I've yeah. been lucky to have had the opportunities to do that stuff. And then you, you took some time off in between bands, like we were talking about before, uh, after, yeah, that, after Still Cross and the Walls of Jericho thing, pretty much. Yeah. After, at, when I, yeah, when I got back from Walls of Jericho, I didn't do anything for like 10 years or whatever it was until Culture started talking about playing the reunion show and that just sort of went from there would you like in that decade though would you like take out a guitar or like a, like the drums or anything and like play music at all or were you just- i didn't i didn't have I, all i had was an acoustic guitar i didn't have any really? gear wow. yeah no shit yep. and then we're like do you, was there like a thought in your head that at some point you'll probably do more bands and stuff though or was it just kind of no because during that time i got really into um like mis- mixed martial arts and like and uh doing like jujitsu and kickboxing and stuff and yeah. that took up that took up all my time all my days was yeah. was that you know um so no i didn't really think anything about doing another band yeah that's one thing that i kind of forgot to put in the like i, I was thinking about that before like like i know you had a background with the mma and shit like um and obviously like i've seen interviews like with like you kind of getting into like fights in florida back in the day and shit like with like skinheads and shit like was that any of the mentality with like doing mma like i kind of like fighting already so i kind of want to do this or was it more like looking at it as like a a fitness type thing or whatever you know what i mean well i I, yeah no i know what you mean um i started doing jujitsu first i mean it definitely was like for like a fitness type of thing but it was also like i just I like combat of that. Like, you know, I, I like the chess match that goes on with that. Yeah. Um, MMA just sort of came in after the fact. Mm-hmm. Like I started off just wanting to do jujitsu and then it turned right. into jujitsu and kickboxing. And then it turned into, Hey, you want to fight on my show? I'm like, sure. You know, like, um, so, I mean, it's, I, there's no real correlation between, liking to fight and doing that it it was just like i mean anybody can get into a bar fight yeah anybody can get into a. anybody can like just all of a sudden some huge fight breaks out because you don't have time to think about it you just do it yeah well with with mma it's different man you get you know you get you know three or four months in advance that that's the guy you're fighting you're you're gonna get locked in the cage with this dude yeah he's gonna try and smash your face in you know yeah so it's a different it was more of a test like mentally for me yeah um because you know a lot of guys talk about being tough but like there's, there's a mental toughness like yeah. i didn't win all my, i didn't win all my fights right but like i i feel like i won with the battle i was having with myself right you know yeah so yeah, that's we- where that really came into play yeah, we, we talk about like getting my son into like martial arts and stuff. And I feel like I'd probably want to learn. And that's what I always talk about is trying to get him into like jujitsu and shit. So um, is that like, do you still practice jujitsu and wrestling? What's that? Jujitsu and wrestling. That's what yeah. you want to get him in immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I don't know if I'm going to regret this later because he's only going to be four soon, but I was kind of teaching him how to throw a punch yesterday too. And I was like, yeah, he's going to use this against me in like a week and a half. You know, what I mean? He'd be like, so, or, or he'll go to school and knock some kid out. I'm like, well, dad told me how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, cause we were just like play wrestling and I was, and he was like throwing these yeah. wild punches and I was like, let me show you kind of like how to throw a punch a little bit, you know? But like, do you right. still practice like jujitsu and all that stuff now? Or is that more like, um, very rarely I'll, I'll but I'll, I'll always stop in um i'll train from time to time like i, yeah. I, I i'll do not so much jiu-jitsu anymore but i'll do kickboxing still yeah now how long um, did you how long did you do like the actual fighting and stuff for though like the the, the uh, fights? Probably, i probably fought for like four years oh shit wow. yeah that's pretty cool i remember i don't know if, where it was probably lamgo i saw something somewhere where it was like rich thurston is now like in like MMA or like some kind of fighting. I was like, wow, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was funny. I, I read it. <laughs> I read an interview with Tara back then, like, uh, you know, like maybe like a few months or six, seven months after I wasn't in the band anymore. And her interview with Scott, Scott's like, so the guy was like, so what's everybody else doing in that? What used to be in the bands? And Scott was like, I don't know. I guess Rich is doing MMA. Like, <laughs> it was like such a little, like, blunt little line. Like, yeah. I don't know. I guess he's fighting. I don't know. It was just funny. So what um, what kind of gave you the urge to start playing? I mean, I know you did the culture reunions. Was that the first thing before, like, you started doing, like, On Bodies and stuff like that? Like, to, to, to like, start like, doing, doing music and stuff again? Um, doing music on a level where, like, I wanted to actually take some time with it and write some, you know, real yeah. stuff. Yeah, that, that was really around the time. Yeah. Now, now is that kind of how you, you started – because I'm thinking in my, in my head, like how you and Damien kind of like reconnected to like music again and stuff. Was it was it through the reunions and then you kind of asked him to do vocals for that or did that or is that just coincidence? Well, he had, we had talked a little bit before the idea of doing a culture. We had, we had talked, uh, you know, and we had actually started doing on bodies first before oh, really? the culture. Reunion. Yeah, but it was it was it was just like, hey, I'm going to record these songs and send them to you put some vocals on them for fun. Like it was just that, you know, that was all it was going to be. So then when, you know, when the, when the, the culture thing came up, we, we, we agreed to do that. And then we were like, well, let's, you know, let's try and do on bodies a little more quote unquote seriously. At this time it was still just me and him. And I was writing and recording all the music, yeah. sending it to him and he would put the vocals on it. Um, but then we were like, well, we want to play shows. So I had to round up musicians to, to play shows. And we played in, um, we played with the H2O and, and Philly. We played um, um, just a, like a random local band show in, in Brooklyn. And then our third, fourth, fifth, and sixth show were in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was just because we had connections with yeah. friends there. It wasn't like, we didn't deserve to go there. We didn't earn any kind of right to go there, but it was just an opportunity. I'm like, not passing this up. Yeah. Now, um, I guess I'm curious too. Like, he lives in Michigan now, right, Damien? Yeah. Yeah. So, is that just a coincidence that you guys ended up kind of like, like, ended up in the same kind of vicinity? Like, because it's not that far. From yeah. Ohio, Michigan. Yeah, I had no idea he was. I didn't listen. I didn't talk to Damien for a long time because I, I held a lot of resentment for the culture thing. Yeah. And I also had, held, I also had a lot of resentment for him selling out and destroying culture. Yeah. Like it, it always, like that always bothered me a lot. And and there'll be times 
it's so funny. I text him last week and we were just like talking. I go, man, is it normal that sometimes when I think back to you guys kicking me out of the band that I actually want to fucking punch you in the face? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, I get it. He's like, we were such assholes, you know, things like that. And again, I, I know I'm no fucking picnic to be in a band with. I, I understand. Um, but, uh, so we really had, you know, we had sort of mended that fence sort of, and then we're just talking, Hey man, what's up? Like, you know, then they just sort of, Hey, I'm going to send you these songs. All right. And then just sort of went from there. And I've had actually quite a few people who've worked with Irish Voodoo on this podcast now, cause he's put out a ton of Buffalo stuff. Um, yeah. how did, how did you end up linking up with him? I, you know what? I don't even really know. I think I just saw, I was like, well, I'm just going to send this to any and every label. Yeah. You know, like I was like, I, I just, I'll just send it. And he got back to me. He's like, yo, this is really good. I'm like, thanks, man. He's like, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, I don't know. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> and that's just, and that's just so how, sort of how it went. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you were, you did more stuff with him with, with deep breath too, right? Yeah. I put, he put that seven inch out. Yeah. Um, that was really just me getting some shit off my chest. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, go, we'll jump back to trees in a little bit because that kind of skips over that. But it, it, I mean, the Irish okay. connection kind of makes me think about it. So, with deep breath, is that like this podcast and a lot of other things came along uh, because of like lockdown and stuff, obviously. And, and from what I've gathered, like that's kind of how that that project came along too. Or, um, yeah, I had, I had written some songs. Yeah, sitting around doing nothing, yeah. and I I. I'd sort of gotten my home studio sort of together. I just had these songs and treason was, we weren't, nobody was doing anything because we were, it was on lockdown. So we yeah. couldn't play any shows. So I was just like, I'm just going to record this stuff. And that's just sort of how that happened. It wasn't really, I hadn't really planned on putting it out. I just wanted to record it. Yeah. And then. Now, um, now are these two are on bodies and, and, and uh deep breath. Is that like, two projects where you've kind of wrote and wrote and both like in other bands, I guess what I'm asking is like, did you write the bulk of the music? Or are these like the first projects where you've really like written a lot of the, like the, the, the big, the big chunk of the music, I guess. In culture, we shared the responsibility. Yeah. Um, then in still crossed, we also shared the responsibility. Yeah. Um, One nation under was mainly me, but, uh, but um, other, the other, other guys definitely, put their influence in on it treason started out again just me and the singer i wrote and recorded all the music yeah. he did the vocals on it and we just sort of put a demo out just to put a demo out um and then up until this newest record that's coming out hopefully next couple of months it's been recorded for two goddamn years um <laughs> um up until that point i had written and recorded everything for treason Oh shit! I mean, I guess the, the reason yeah. what's it, the reason jumping back to the the whole thing I asked is the reason why I'm asking this because like if like on bodies and deep breath like both are like significantly more melodic than any like the previous stuff you had done like that I that I'm yeah. with you know what I mean so that's kind of why I was asking yeah. I guess you know yeah I think it was just uh, I was in a mood you know yeah. yeah and it just sort of I don't really try I mean sometimes it's inevitable you know but I don't really try to write any specific style if i'm writing something and it comes out a certain way it may not be for treason right man not working it so like maybe it'll be for something else so i'll i'll just save it for something yeah. else you know 
And that's sort of what was happening with those deep breath songs. I was just uh, sitting on those songs that I had. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to record them and put vocals on them. And they used to be a little bit heavier originally. I was, I was singing them a lot heavier originally. Mm-hmm. But, then, but then after I recorded it that way and listened to it, I was like, Man, it's, just, it's not fitting the music. Yeah. It doesn't sound right. So I went back into the vocals again and um, that's how it came out, you know, the finished product. And I know you've like, like done vocals for other bands, but that's your first time, like actually like singing, singing or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's more yeah. melodic vocals, you know? Um, yeah. Have you done any like live shows or anything with that band or? Nope. Nope. Cause I know in some interviews you talked about doing it and, and like you were saying with like there being like 10 million bands now it's hard to keep up with like who's doing what, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'll see you post, like shows and i'll see stuff on no echo about you all the time so it's easier to keep up with like some of the stuff you're doing you know what i mean but like i feel like i feel like i would like to play a show yeah and maybe maybe that would happen it would it would probably be just a one-time thing just to do it just mm-hmm. so i could do it you know yeah yeah i had to write we have to write a couple more songs because there's only four there's only four songs yeah so we have to you know i have to write one or two more songs to make it a set but uh, yeah, I would like to. I would like to play one time live. Yeah, like just just sing. Yeah, you just have the microphone. Have yeah. another band. Yeah, just just the microphone and yeah. let everybody. Yeah, you know, I think that would be cool to do it one time. Would you hold the mic stand too, or just the microphone? You think? I feel like I feel like I would do a stand with this band. Yeah. I feel like it would be a yeah. That's how I think I would. I, would, yeah. I think I'd have sunglasses on and a hoodie. Yeah, and I think like you could probably slam the stand pretty good for some of those parts too. I feel like too, you know what I mean? The yeah. mic stand, you know. So I might break something. I might throw something. You never know. Like, you know. yeah. So um, jumping back to treason, like we were talking about a little bit. Did that, like you were saying, you you wrote all the music and had like this somebody doing the vocals for it. Did, did that start off as like an idea to do it as like a straight edge band though, like initially? Or yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. Um. And that and has that band like done any touring? I know you guys played like this is hardcore and like some like like stuff around there, like but other than that, just like a couple weekends here and there. Yeah, we just do weekend. I mean, we all have like real jobs, yeah. and, and we have like you know, like one of the guys is not in the band anymore, but um, he was a professor at a oh, wow. college, yeah. so it's like he had very limited time, so we just sort yeah. of like worked it around as best we could. Um, we want to start being more active and doing, you know, doing at least one weekend every, every couple of months, um, just hit different spots, you know, just hit different areas. And, and it's not even really like, we don't really, it's not even about like going to get paid or anything like that. Like, fuck, we play some of these shows for free. It's not, it's, I'd rather just play awesome shows, you know, yeah. like then I don't worry about any of that stuff. Cause it's, it, it's just an outlet, you know, yeah. it's not necessarily like it's not keeping my lights on. Yeah. Are, are all the guys in the band a little bit, a little bit uh, older or. Uh, yeah. They, well, me and Chris, the singer are, are the oldest. Yeah. I'm 49. I think he's 45. Maybe might be a little younger than that. Everybody else is late twenties, early thirties. And then I guess that kind of makes me think like a lot, a lot of like our, our scene here is kind of shifted more towards like older, like, I don't know if we just don't have a lot, a lot of like new blood here, but like, 
there's a lot of like 18 and over and 21 and over shows here. I don't think it makes much of a difference. Like, is there a big all ages scene there these days or is it, or is it kind of more like that there too? Um, there is an all ages scene here, but it's, I don't think we have anybody that young. Like the right. shows are all, all ages. Right. Like, I don't know that we have that many people that are under 21. Yeah. There's probably a few. Yeah. Like if I think about it, there's probably a few, few people that come that are, are younger, but like overall it's, adults yeah that's what i've noticed like i don't know if it's just mostly in like the smaller cities i mean i know you're not like in a small small city like we are but like like and like and like it's i don't know if the bigger cities have like a lot of young people involved these days it kind of makes me wonder like like what direction things will go in later on you know what i mean i'm sure there's young people somewhere getting into hardcore you know what i mean but for sure i think i think that the young kids that we're seeing now are going for bands like like knock loose and stuff like that definitely i i consider them a hardcore band but yeah it's it's different yeah you know what i'm saying it's it's a different it almost seems unattainable for these younger kids like oh my god there's knock loose in there yeah so it's like um i think that's where you're seeing a lot of the younger crowd going towards that kind of stuff yeah which is fine yeah i think there's gonna be a lot more of the the breakdown oriented bands in the next few years or whatever you know Yeah. yeah um was that treason you were talking about before it's got a record that's supposed to be coming out soon that you've been sitting on for a while or yeah we recorded it literally we finished recording it last december gave it to the label and then the label sent it in and just with the way record yeah with the way pressing plants are it'll be two goddamn years before that thing even comes out now now luckily for a year and a half of that we weren't even able to play any shows so yeah you know what i'm saying like so it's not like the songs are still new even to us playing them because we hadn't played them yeah but like we're already we're already starting to write new stuff because it's just i mean the songs are two years old you know yeah so is that, are you still doing stuff with, with new age or is it a different label now no it's uh safe inside oh that's right okay yeah yeah i i, I'm, yeah. I, I don't know if i've interviewed people from that label now, but i'm definitely familiar because uh like time and pressure. I think they were from like not too far from you. Yeah, Louis, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, they, they, played yeah. here. they were one of the last shows I saw before. It was probably like six months before COVID hit, but I, I uh, they played here though that summer. And that, that, I like that record a lot. Um, these guys are good. Yeah, good, good label. Yeah, there's a lot of good shit on that label. So that's, that's a cool label to be on. Um, there's definitely a lot of good labels right now too. That's another thing to, to think about. Yeah. And that's another thing that I, that came into my head. Like, are there labels like, like, I guess kind of getting up there in age, like, and now that you're playing in more bands again, like, are there, are there like labels that you, you haven't been on that you want to be on? Are there like bands you haven't played with that you want to play with? Like any kind of like bucket list type things at this point in your life? Um, I don't want to say bucket list. I mean, I've been lucky enough to be on a bridge nine recording. Yeah. I've been lucky enough to be on a, a six feet under records recording indecision, new age. Um, you know, that's like, new age is like my childhood so so to speak you know like i um i didn't get it we were one nation under was almost on victory oh really and i wish we would have done it because then apparently we can just sue him three years later and get like eight billion dollars um but yeah he uh he was a fucking asshole like even in the even in like the interviewing process with us who's just so full of shit and yeah we're like all right so like we never we never really thought too much of it after that yeah um so um i don't know about bucket list stuff i mean i would like 
and there's places I'd like to go play that I haven't played. Like I want to play Australia and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, it's probably not in the cards at this, at this point. Um, Not really, man. Like, I mean, I've been, like I said, I've been so lucky to go to Europe and Japan. And even though like I, the bands that I've been in haven't reached the levels of some of these other bands that I, it's just, so lucky to have those opportunities and to still have opportunities even on you know a smaller level but like the fact that i'm 49 years old and i can still write halfway decent songs and have labels want to put it out and stuff it's it's pretty rad it's pretty rad feeling you know well and and like i said prepping the interview i didn't realize you still you're in even more active bands like what are the other active bands that you got going on right now um well i'm doing trees excuse me treason and then another band that i just started not too long ago i didn't start i was asked to play in it um it's called saboteur it's from dayton ohio we're finishing up the the recording now and um irish voodoo is actually going to put it out nice so now i i think usually these these questions are kind of like self-explanatory but like playing in bands like now is your little older versus like in your 20s or even teens like like what are the significant like differences? Um, I think I think the the biggest difference is knowing that you're closer to the end than the, than the beginning. When you're 22 years old, and you're starting a band. You think, "Fuck, I got all my whole life ahead of me." Now you're 49 and you're joining a new band, and you're like, "Fuck, I'm I'm way over the into the second half of my life now." Yeah. So it, it, it that's kind of a mind fuck, you know, in in that. But then again, you can go, it also goes back to just very lucky to still have the opportunities yeah, to, to do that stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. One thing, like I was saying with the all ages thing, like I've noticed like the median age has gotten up there and then, and then like you see people like stigma and like all those dudes like that are like legitimate lifers at this point. Like, do you think you'll be playing music like, like forever at this point or like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, at some point you think it has to, you know, you think it has to stop at some point. I don't know, man. Like, I just take it as it comes. You know, yeah. if it, if, you know, you know, if a year from now and I'm not feeling it, I'll just stop doing it. You know, it's, um, it's a weird thing to think that I've acquired all this uh, gear now and to just stop, <laughs> to just stop playing now would, would seem counterproductive, but, uh, yeah. I still enjoy it. I still enjoy opening up for bands that these huge bands that I, yeah. I, I still enjoy going to shows. I mean, I went to a, I mean, I went to a show last night, like on a Wednesday, like who does that? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, I, I, I enjoy the atmosphere. I enjoy going and seeing friends and seeing some good bands. And I don't know, it's, when that changes, then I'll probably, you know, I'll rethink the whole thing. But as of right now, I, I, I don't have any real plans to, to not play music, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot could happen and even in a year. So who knows, you know? But, yeah. do uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things like, there's a lot of things from, from the years of me being involved that like, I look back on that 
I probably could have made, not probably, I definitely could have made a lot better decisions on, on certain things. And, you know, but especially like the way I treated some people, I don't know. It was, I don't know if it was a combination of a bunch of things, I'm sure. But as I got older in life and actually started like talking to someone about problems instead of just living with problems, you know, it, uh, it, it, it sort of, you know, open, kind of, you're kind of seeing everything for the first time, you know? So that's why I'm really happy that I'm still able to play music and see it differently in now than I, I may have seen it before, you know? Do both, do, do, do you practice in the bands like every week and stuff then currently or pretty much? Or? Um, we, not really. We will, we'll practice. Like if we have a show coming up, like we have one coming up um, in like two months. So we'll start practicing again for, for that. Yeah. Um, the saboteur band has been practicing a lot more because we've had more shows recently, but we're also trying to finish the rec the recording. So we're, you know, that's a little more, more active um, currently, but I mean, we've gone three months without practicing before. You know, and just, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's just life, man. You know, sometimes yeah. it's like, you can't just practice every, when I was in culture, we practiced four times a week. It was nuts. It was crazy how much we practiced yeah, and we still weren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I know with doing this podcast, like I try to set up like a couple interviews per week, but as you noticed the other night, sometimes with me having a couple young children, things kind of just happens, man. Life gets in the just way. Happens. And, uh, I mean, you know, but it's, as they say, family first or whatever. So, um, yeah, no, I get it. Know, but my son's definitely a little frisky. So there's definitely nights where I'm like, man, I got to plan this out just right. You know, <laughs> yeah. no, I, um, I, I definitely understand that. But I think, I feel like we kind of winded through most of the bands that I'm familiar with. Is there, are there any like funny anecdotes or stories or anything that you would have had in the back of your mind that we didn't, we didn't brush over or anything? Um, I mean, there's always good fight stories, but, you know, uh, South Florida had some some wild shit, man, back in the day. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I know you always heard stories about like New York and LA and Chicago and the, the bigger cities. Yeah. South Florida didn't fuck around, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was pretty, it was a wild, wild west down there. With the South Florida thing, that was that mostly just like fights with Nazis, though, or was there like fights with like, like hard, hardcore kids too? Or no, no, it was usually just with like Nazis and just like yeah. your general, like, shitty normal person you know yeah. like <laughs> it was it was just crazy man it was a crazy time like think i think back on it sometimes and it's just it's pretty wild that i'm none of us thought we were going to live past 25 years old like every one of us thought for sure we'd be dead just because we it was when i say the wild wild west it really was just absolutely wild like there's no reason that i should still be here <laughs> just the way we lived our lives back then was crazy so again you start thinking about that you start taking you don't take things for 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 yeah. granted you yeah. know it just it took it took a long time for me to be able to look back on moments certain moments in my life where i was like man you were such a fucking dickhead for no good goddamn reason you know and like you know so it's just you just sort of hope that you've become a better person since then. And uh, 
just, you know, keep, keep going, you know, I, I, sometimes, sometimes you just, uh, just chalk it up as a take, take an L on some of that stuff and yeah. learn from it and keep going, you know, and that's, that's what I'm doing now, man. I have a, you know, 14 year old daughter and I got a good job and I don't know. I just love hardcore. I love hardcore music and I love playing it and I love going to shows and I don't know. I just, I'm, I just feel very lucky to still be able to be involved. When I was like 37 or 38, I was telling somebody, I was like, yeah, I never thought I'd make it to 40. And they were like, well, you're not quite there yet. But, you know, I've, yeah. I've, I've since made it past <laughs> that milestone. But that's crazy. That you didn't think you guys didn't think you'd make it to 25. I can only imagine the kind of, you know. Yeah, it was just, well, I mean, you also got to remember there was no cell phones, no yeah. video camera. no. So when shit was popping off, it was really popping yeah. off. And like, so, <laughs> you know, again, much like I'm sure other people my age that are still around have similar stories in their yeah. towns. Yeah. You know, like it was just. Like Miami was a crazy fucking place, man. Yeah. Like it was just, it was pretty wild. Yeah. And like some, some people didn't make it. And some people yeah. that I was friends with actually didn't make it past 25. And you're like, man, like it's, I could have been any one of us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's like two or three people from here that are around from that era that have those kind of crazy stories. And I'm like, I'd love to bring them on here and, and ask them, but I, I don't know if they'd want to tell those stories anymore. Cause it's been so many years, you know, it's like some of yeah. those that are just kind of as urban legends, like we were talking about earlier, you know? So yeah, some stories, some stories you probably can't or shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Even that many years later, you know, <laughs> Yeah, man, there's some, there's some, uh, you know, Statutes of limitations are not applied to all situations. But yeah, I think that's pretty much what I had for, for questions, I guess, for an interview. Is there anything you, you want to add or any anything you want to plug with like Treason and all the other projects, I guess? No, we just like the Treason record, I guess it should be out this year. Um, we got the test pressing back. Um, so we're just sort of waiting for the pressing plant to get us in the queue, you know, because it's yeah. Adele, Adele's got to press a million records first. So, yeah. um, so there's that. And then, uh, Saboteur is finishing up recording and Irish Root is going to put that out. He's going to do it on a lathe cut. So we'll get it back pretty quick. Nice. Um, yes. Yeah, which is cool. He's not doing a whole bunch. I think he's only doing like a hundred of them or something like yeah. that, but, that, but that's cool. Like, I don't yeah. care. That's, that, that make, it's, it's cool that someone wants to do it, you know, and just, we get some shows lined up. And like I said, we're going to start, when it gets closer closer to the record, actually we get a we actually get a finish date for the record, then we'll start booking shows, you know, doing weekends and stuff like that, and really just sort of just waiting for that record to come out, yeah, and then um, finishing up this saboteur stuff, and that's it. All right, uh, I think that'll pretty much wrap things up. Then you got anything else you add? Any you know, shout outs or anything or? Uh, shout out Irish Voodoo Records. Shout out Safe Inside Records. Shout out to Cincinnati Hardcore, Cincinnati Straight Edge, Dayton Hardcore, Dayton Straight Edge. Um, I guess we can throw Kentucky in there too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Just, uh, I mean, I'm not going to leave you with some big, uh, you know, some big like motivational speech, but like, <laughs> you know, definitely don't wait to do something you're passionate about. Yeah. That's all. Whatever it is. It doesn't have to be music. It could be anything. It could be doing a podcast. It could be 
doing a zine because those are kind of still a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be anything. Yeah. Or not even that. Say you want to start doing jujitsu. Go fucking do it. Just go do it. Like it's, you know, things like that. Just go live your life. Be the happiest you can while you're doing it. I think those are those are good uh good words. Like you said, nothing too crazy, but it's a good uh no, just, yeah. And I only say that stuff because I've learned from not doing that stuff. Yeah. You know, I've learned from I've learned from not doing it right to doing it right. So I know I I see both sides of the yeah. of the fence. You know, so. Yeah. All right, I think that's going to wrap up episode sixty one. Uh, I want to thank Rich for coming on and doing the interview. Uh, as always, thanks to Greg Benoit, Rob Antonucci. And Jim Byrne for all the help with the podcast. Uh, I got a ton of episodes planned. Um, just uh, check out enterprisehardcorepodcast.com for a bunch of information. Thanks. See everybody real soon. Stay safe.